Welcome to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. I'm your host, Matt Mitterell. The South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast exists as a platform for the voices of apostolic leadership. Here, guests respond to racial and cultural topics from a biblical, historical, and experiential perspective. The South Carolina District Building the Bridge ministry seeks to contribute to the continued advancement of diversity within the United Pentecostal Church International by effectively working towards evangelizing the African-American and Black community. This work involves promoting the inclusion and cultural affirmation within the South Carolina District while providing resources and advice to UPCI ministers on matters of importance to the African-American and Black community. By working with National Building the Bridge leadership, local pastors, and ministers, including those newly licensed, South Carolina District Building the Bridge endeavors to promote the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. For more information, visit buildingthebridgeministries.com or contact me at scbtbministries at gmail.com. All right, welcome everybody again to the South Carolina District Building the Bridge podcast. My guest today is Pastor Luciano Soto Jr. Pastor, uh, he is a pastor of El Lugar de Su Gloria in Charleston, South Carolina. Pastor Soto is also recognized uh, or has been recognized for his collaboration with the North, North Charleston Police Department and has assisted both officers and the community in general. Originally from New York, his family has spent countless hours of sweat equity and time in various community outreach efforts. In October of 2021, Pastor Soto was named the official voice of the Hispanic community in Charleston, South Carolina, by the Spanish language newspaper El Informador. In, uh, or from 2018 to 2020, Pastor Soto has served as a member of the Charleston County Criminal Justice Coordinating Council and he currently serves on the uh, Somerville Police Department uh, Dignity Project. Um, and for eight years, for the past eight years, has served on the Coastal Crisis Chaplaincy. He's a father, he's a husband, he's a pastor, uh, and he is somebody who has been involved in the community uh, for quite some time now. And, and tonight I asked him to come on and discuss a few things that we as pastors and ministers should be aware of when it comes to reaching people of other ethnic groups, and of course, I want him to talk about the upcoming Spanish ministry conference here at the beginning of July. And so, uh, Pastor Soto, again, thank you for agreeing to uh, sit down with me and talk tonight. Well, brother, it's an honor. It's a privilege uh, to be here with you. Uh, thank you so much for uh, letting me part, letting me be part of this uh, amazing podcast that you have. Um, so I'm, I'm so honored. I'm very thankful and um, uh, whatever I can do to serve, I'm here. Amen. Well, let, let's get right into it. I want to um, typically just like to start out with talking about um, your early ministry, you know, maybe discuss some you know, how you got involved in the ministry. Um, I know your, your father has also been involved or heavily in the community outreach somewhere I read for about 45 years. He was involved there. So you learned a lot from him. But just just take us through the earlier parts of your ministry, maybe some challenges you faced, some wins you had, um, and just uh, 
talk about those things? Well, uh, by the grace of God, I was born and raised in a, in a Christian home. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, my, my dad was a, my dad and my, my parents were ministers for over 45 years in uh, New York City and an area in the Bronx, Bronx, New York, to be a specific. Um, and I learned from watching my dad serve the community in many different areas. And um, by the grace of God recently, um, well, my dad, my dad passed away in 2019. And by the grace of God, uh, recently, uh, they named the street uh, that he pastored for over 45 years after him. Um, I, it's an honor for me because I carry my father's name. So I, I had this joke with my siblings. I said, well, uh, I know it's my dad's name, but you guys are going to have to see my name every single day. <laughs> you guys walk down the same street. So uh, but it's, it's an honor. And uh, to be, uh, you know, to have a dad who, and, and my parents who served. Um, well, the Lord, I, I know the Lord, the Lord called me from the early, early days, you know, when I was a young, young man. Um, but it, it took a while for it to come to pass. And uh, by the, by eight, by 20, I'm going to say 2008, 2009, right after we my wife and I got married, uh, Gabriela Soto. Uh, the Lord called us to a Bible study about an hour away from where we live. And there was a Bible study that had already started by the church that we were going to. And I remember uh, we had a guest preacher come in. He was a close family friend of my wife. And I did not, in my mind, I didn't have uh, any any anything in my mind to be to be part of the ministry i just i was i was just recently married i was enjoying being married um you know i was working in a decent job we, we were just it was great you know we were having you know, my wife was singing and i was happy with just driving her around and um none, none of that in mind and i remember that guest preacher came in and you know we we had a dinner at home and uh, he was very close to my wife's family. And like around one o'clock in the morning, uh, the brother looked at me and he said, brother, I strongly feel that the Lord has a calling in your life. And, you know, we have been joking, you know, the whole night and laughing. And I looked at him and I, I just laughed it off. Uh, but this was such an anointed, anointed man of God. It's one of those men of God that you... You, you, you know, once they start talking to you, you kind of feel the Holy Ghost. And he looked at me again and he said, Brother Soto, with all respect, I, I know where you at in your life. But I truly believe that there is a calling to ministry in your life. And you've been running away from it. And at that moment, I looked at him. And I just felt the Holy Ghost just come upon me, started crying. I fell to my knees, uh, just started crying because I I knew what that entailed. I had seen my father being a minister for 45 years or 40 years by then. 
I knew that it's, it, it, it was going to be a struggle. I knew the, the burden that that comes with. I, I, and I always ran away from it because <clears throat> I did not want to go through what my parents went through in ministry. Mm. And even though my dad was a successful, blessed man, but I saw a lot of stuff and I, I did not want that. And I really fought it. I fought it for many years. I said, nope, I, I, that's not me. I don't, I don't want that. But that day, it was so powerful. The Lord convicted me. And I just, you know, we, we got off from that prayer. He prayed over me, he prayed over my wife. Holy Spirit moved greatly at home. We were speaking in tongues, crying. And we got up the next day and I was just in awe. I didn't know what to do next. I was just, I went to work and we were just, you know, asking God, where do I go? And a couple of weeks later, uh, the church that I was attending, uh, and it was my father-in-law's church, he mentioned to me, he said, you know, I started a, a Bible study about an hour away. Uh, would you like to continue it? I was like, sure, no problem, no commitments. Mm. And what now? What what year is this? That this this, this uh, about about two thousand and eight. Okay. okay. Two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, mm. and and I said, sure, no commitments, and I went. Long behold, uh, I went up there with uh, another couple from the mother church, and we would travel. We would travel an hour. We started going every other week, Bible studies. One thing led to another. It was a Bible study in the basement. One thing led to another. All of a sudden, we started getting people coming in. Um, the basement got filled. There was about 30, wow. 40 people in the basement. We felt that we needed to find a place. We found the place, and we just started having services. It was just one of those things that um, the Lord started just blessing, blessing the church. And and it was a learning experience for me because I worked full time. I had two jobs, mm -hmm. plus I was ministering and I was driving an hour back and forth. For, I did that for five years, uh, for five wow. years back and forth. And it was it was the it was a learning process for me. And that that was my my, my beginning stages. Uh, we did a lot of we did a lot of uh, uh, Bible studies. We did a lot of evangelism in the streets. We countless of hours standing in front of Walmart because that seemed to be where everybody was going. We were just giving out tracks, inviting people, thousands of tracks. I I I can I lost track how many how many you know we kind of things that we gave out for the church. And um and it was a small community, but we were there almost every Saturday. We were there and the Lord blessed us. And you know, I'm gonna say 15 years later we are god has been good to us still going yeah amen what what would you what would you say to somebody and i, I want to continue on but i just kind of want to uh pull out something here you you mentioned that you know at this time you had two jobs ministry a wife did you have kids at this time no sir no kids yet okay okay because you know sometimes we can we get in we start our ministries and uh, you know, many of us are bivocational, but you were—I mean, you were tri-vocational. You <laughs> with two yeah. jobs, you know. So I know I, I can only imagine how um, challenging, uh, challenging that must have been. What would you say to somebody who might be 
um, you know, find themselves in a situation where they're working a job or two and, and also trying to balance ministry and marriage. Well, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an effort from both, from both parts. Mm-hmm. Um, when God calls you, I, I truly believe that when God gives you a calling, he does not only call you, he calls your family, your wife. And it's got to be an agreement. And and in this case, I was I'm blessed that my wife, she grew up in ministry. She understood ministry. Uh, my wife's parents uh, started many, many churches in Venezuela when Venezuela only had uh, maybe a handful of of, of churches. Um, I remember my mother-in-law and my father-in-law telling me that their first convention in Venezuela, the first big revival that they had, there were only 70 people at the first convention. That was over 50, about 50 years ago. And now uh, my my in-laws, they serve as youth leaders. They serve as uh, men's and women leader for over 25 years in Venezuela. And 50 years later, a convention in Venezuela can easily be about 30 to 40 to 45,000 people that gathered. And my wife was there at the very beginning. She was very small, uh, but my in-laws would travel all over the country um, doing the Lord's work. So that experience uh, allowed that my wife understood ministry and she also worked too. So we we understood what the Lord called her for. We understood that it was a moment of of him trying us out, kind of just seeing how far I think we can go. So I, I just think that when the Lord calls you to a ministry, he will provide the ways and the strength for you to do his work. Sometimes we want to see things happen overnight. But I was listening, I, I heard this thing the other day from a preacher. He says, while God is 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 preparing you to receive the promise or while or while you're waiting for the promise he is preparing and building your character yeah mm. so i felt that during those five years what god was doing was building our character building my wife's character just kind of building us building us in a way and we had a lot of learnings experience from the beginning we did a lot of mistakes you know, there's a lot of things that we we would have do we would have done differently, but the Lord blessed us. The Lord blessed us with the, um, and we had a lot of people also come beside us to help us out. So I tell the people that are starting right now, if the Lord called you, God will give you the strength. I don't believe in ages. I believe that if you're still alive, God will use you. It doesn't matter. You could be 70, 80 years old, and you're walking, you're breathing. God will use you. So um, God, you know, we, we, I, I encourage those young people to, if God calls you, God will provide a way. Amen. Bishop, Bishop, uh, we sat under uh, Bishop Wayne Huntley, my wife and I, my family for about uh, six years. And he would always say, uh, you know, when it came to ministry uh, with regard to age, you don't, you don't uh, retire, you refire, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so God, God has a way, like you said, of just keeping people, um, uh, keeping people involved with the ministry. 
and equipping them, uh, equipping them along the way. So in, in, uh, in 2021, I mentioned this at the beginning of the, uh, in the intro, you were named the official voice of the Hispanic community. Can you talk a little bit about what led up to this, this designation? I, to be honest with you, I was shocked myself. <laughs> um, I, um, she comes, uh, the reporter comes to her house and I, I always steer away from reporters. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that I, I don't like to uh, mention things that I'm doing, but I guess the word got around that I was doing a lot of this community stuff and someone referred me, um, uh, they were looking for someone and someone referred to me and I just, I was very honored. I, what I mentioned to the newspaper was I, I don't feel that I, I have done nothing big. I just felt that I just lend my voice um, to whatever situation that was happening in the city. Um, I serve in, in, a, in a few boards and I just, I, I felt that I just learned from other people. So I w- it was an honor. It was a privilege. Um, I was so thankful. I felt honored that they thought that I was doing something. And I just said, you know, it was, it's, the honor and glory to the God, to God. I can't, I can't take all the credit, you know, because I, whatever I'm doing is because God's mercy is so great and is using me for this moment. Like he can use you. He will use anybody else. It's God's mercy. So I was just taken aback and I was honored. And I said, well, you know, I just, it's an honor. It's a privilege and, and thanks God for the opportunity. But I just felt that I have, I've not even done anything. <laughs> have you, have you always had an eye for, uh, you know, or have been able to kind of put your, your finger on the pulse of issues that are happening, um, in the Hispanic community specifically? Well, pastoring a Spanish church, um, you kind of get a, a little bit of an insight of what's going on in the community. Mm-hmm. So, I was always, I'm, I'm always looking uh, for ways to help. And one of the things that I, I try to do in our church is have a list of a lot of the community outreach that are in the area. Uh, and I connect with them and I try to get their phone numbers and try to connect who's doing the work. Um, I just feel that there's no need for me to have a a food pantry if there's already a church next door that's doing an amazing job. They have a team. Why even try to do something if they're doing it? So what I did was I would just connect with them and connect with the church and let them know, hey, I would like to get your information. I want to have that list in my church. So like that or not in the church that I pastor. So if anybody comes in with any kind of need, I can direct them. So I did a lot of networking. I have done a lot of networking with the city and a lot of networking just so I can connect these families that probably are struggling with something or they need a job or they're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, I just, just connect them with, oh, these, you know, this community, this, uh, this organization is doing this, uh, this hospital is doing this. And there's a lot of things that the city offers that sometimes uh, ordinary people are not aware of because they're not looking for it. 
Um, so that's what I've been doing for the last eight years, just trying to connect um, families and people to those types of helps that are offered by the city and by different organizations that are here in Charleston. Gotcha. Yeah, you and speaking of uh, uh, Charleston and, and Charleston County, I mentioned earlier again that you were a member of the uh, Criminal Justice Coordinating Council. And for those who may not be aware, I'm just going to read exactly what they say on their website. Uh, the CJCC is a collaboration of elected and senior officials, law enforcement leaders, judicial and court leadership, behavioral health professionals, victims and legal advocates, and various community leaders working in service of the Charleston community. Uh, you know, they, they say that they provide community voice and feedback, um, uh, or they listen rather to the uh, community voice and, um, and and solicit feedback from the community in order to make certain decisions. Have you, can you discuss any things, some things that maybe you've seen um, while serving on that team? Um, I believe you did it from 2018 to 2020. Some things that the organization has spearheaded um, that has helped in a positive way impact the community at large. Well, you know, there was a lot of, there's, there was a lot of conversation and uh, the idea behind it and what I saw, what they were trying to do and they were they're continuing doing right now. But when I when I got involved, they had kind of just started. I think they were like in their third year and it was a collaboration with all these uh, city officials and police officers and lawyers and and um, and judges to better the community, uh, to better um serve the community especially those that uh, were arrested um for minor offenses uh how to better um the the people that were jailed how to when they came out of jail what are the things that they can offer so they won't go back into jail for example you know when a lot of these um minor offenses that will happen, sometimes they will lose their jobs. So now you have an inmate who went to jail for a minor offense, lost his job, loss of health care. He comes out of jail. He doesn't have nowhere to go. And sometimes they, it, they will go back into doing the negative stuff that they were doing before because they just couldn't find anything else or the job wouldn't take them back. So the big collaboration was to try to minimize those minor offenses, find a help for these people. Like if they need a job, if they need, uh, why were they were, why did they steal a bag of candy? For example, mm -hmm. you know, what was, why they had to go to the grocery store and steal a bag of food? You know, what do they need? So the, it was a big collaboration with the police department just as instead of bringing them to jail, and it was a minor offense. How can we help you? What's going on with you? What, what I know. Uh, what are the needs in your home? What, what is happening? Do you need, you know, mental health? Do you need uh, food? What, do you? What is it that you need that we can steer your way so like that you don't have to commit these minor stuff? Because you know that there are people out there that are a little bit desperate. You know, when you yeah. don't have in, in, in the table, you have babies at home. Um, someone needs to provide for that you go out there you need to bring food no matter what happens and people will do some dumb stuff when they are in need and so that was that's the big idea for this 
CJCC is to better help the community. And um, it, it was a great time. I learned so much. I thought I was there to do something. I ended up learning so much from everybody else, from the collaboration we had. So it's a great program. I was honored to serve and I was honored to be there and learn from everybody else. I, I learned a lot. Yeah, you know, and that so far you've already given two practical things that people can do when it comes to reaching, reaching, just reaching people in general. But, you know, we're in a few minutes here, maybe we'll dive into some specific things that um, affect the, uh, the Hispanic community and people of uh, and other ethnic groups. But the, the two things that I've captured for, uh, so far, which I think is helpful for people to understand is number one, you know, you mentioned having a list of things that that's happening in the community. Um, you know, it's been suggested to me in the past, hey, go down to your uh, local chamber of commerce and get get the address of different businesses and things like that, that may be willing to partner with you to provide some of these things if if those things don't exist in your community. So if you if you're looking at that list that you mentioned earlier and there is no food pantry, well, maybe your church is the church. If you have the space and the resources, maybe your church yeah. is the church, you know, to start that. And so but but a, a pl where you start is, well, just get the list, start having conversations, right? And then the second thing I thought uh, that you said here that I wanna bring out and, and just highlight for folks is learn from the people in your community. I, you know, sometimes, and, and, you know, we as, as church people, we are people of the name, we are people of truth. I think sometimes we make the mistake of um, going into a community thinking that we know exactly what that community needs. Mm -hmm. um, Yes, they need the gospel. Yes, they need baptism in Jesus' name. Yes, they need to follow the plan of salvation, be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But, you know, outside of that, what other things mm -hmm. is the community suffering from that the church can hopefully be a uh, a, a lifter, you know, and a helper um, in, in that regard? I've had the opportunity over the over the course of my life to participate in various community things. I served when we first moved here, for example, um, right before COVID. I, uh, I had the opportunity to volunteer at the um, Oliver Gospel Mission. Um, if you're not familiar with that, that's down, that's in Columbia, downtown Columbia. It's a homeless shelter for men. And man, the conversations I had with some of those guys in there, um, just in the brief time that I was there, I was, I think I helped out for about seven months before they shut, uh, shut down for COVID. But just the conversations, man, that, that I, that I hear, you know, one of them, for example, he was a guy who, um, uh, was an alcoholic. Uh, he did some drugs and stuff, lost his family, lost his, you know, the, the standard typical stuff when it comes to, and not that it's trivial, but these, these are stories that we hear over and over again of people, you know, becoming addicted to substances and um, they find themselves in a situation where they, they, where they're homeless. And so, but this guy was, he was trying to make it. He was trying to come back, uh, come back from that situation. He, was, he had been homeless, I, I believe for about a year or two but he was working at a local restaurant in the downtown area, actually a, an, a, an upper end restaurant in the, uh, in the kitchen and cooking and stuff like that. Um, and so it, so he was doing what he needed to do in order to get back. But if, if I had just showed up and said, you know, Hey, you know, let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you about you know, Jesus being, Jesus being um, your savior and these types of things. He probably never would have even opened up to me if I just started right out with the plan of salvation. You know what I'm saying? But I was there. I was present. I was um, interested in his story. And I think that, you know, we can we can we can learn from those two things that you mentioned there.
yeah, it's 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 important. It's important to um, sit down and have a conversation and just listen. Um, um, God will provide the opportunity to to for you to start speaking about the name, but I think we need to. Well, it has worked for me. And like I said, every ministry is different. I respect every ministry because every minister, um, God calls them for an area, a specific area, and they'll do the things that they are capable to do, every ministry. But for me, what has worked for me is just sitting down and having a conversation and just being there. Um, I never show up and say, I am Reverend Luciano Soto, pastor of, you know, a lugar de su gloria, of I, I am a chaplain, I am a whatever. I've never said, what's your name? Luciano, Where do you, what church you go to? Oh, I go to a lugar de su gloria. It's a beautiful Spanish church. Really? Oh, what are the services? Oh, Tuesdays, you know, I give them the dates. Right. Oh, do you like it? Uh, yeah, I like it. I've been going there for a couple of years now. You know, that, <laughs> that, that type of conversation. And all of a sudden, they'll show up to church. They're like, you the pastor? You're the uh, pastor, yeah. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, by the grace of God. He goes, yeah. why you never said anything? I said, well, because I don't want you to think that I'm, you know, I'm trying to recruit you or whatever. I just, hey, just come to church. Um, nobody's perfect. I always mention this to the people in, in the church. Nobody's perfect in any church. Nobody is perfect. Right. And the day that you find a perfect church, when you walk in, you're going to mess it up. Man, come on. You better say that again. Because <laughs> it's the truth. Nobody is perfect. Nobody's every, perfect. In every church, you're going to find some gossip. In every church, yes. you're going to find some issues. Why? Because that's a church. A church yes. is heal people. Yes. You know, we go to church. It's like we're going to the emergency room. You know, you got people there that are sick by COVID or sick of what all kind of sickness. When you come to church, there's some people that are, you know, they need some deliverance. Some of them are struggling with their marriages. Some of them, some of them are struggling with their kids. Every person that's there is struggling with something. And we come together for one common thing because we know that without God, we are not anything. So uh conversations with the community is very important just showing up and hearing the community out what 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 is it that they need what what is that what what is that thing that the community need what what is the police department is finding what are the issues that they're bumping into um if there's a big crime rate i don't know whatever it is what's the issue what's going on so when you when you start having those conversations the Lord would open the doors for you to start ministering through those needs. Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's talk about some of those needs, you know, and, you know, again, you I want to pull on you because you are again, I just have to have to brag on my brother a little bit. Again, he's been named the official voice of the Hispanic community. Oh, so, no. um, <laughs> no. so what 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 are some things that maybe um, we as pastors, ministers, should be considering, you know, when we're when we are wanting to reach the Hispanic community or people of of um, of uh, other ethnic uh, cultures from different from ours. I, and this is a long conversation. Yeah, and yeah. I respect everyone's opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that we need to consider is 
the culture. Mm-hmm. We got to consider um, the culture from where they come from. Um, I think it's very important that we try to understand where they come from. And if they come to our church, understand that um, sometimes they, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm musically inclined. Mm -hmm. So I, I love music. My whole family is musically inclined. My wife's family is musically inclined. My father-in-law has over 40 projects recorded or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, my beautiful wife was nominated for a Latin Grammy for best album of the year in 2019. So we're musically inclined. So I, I always go with music. I, I need to understand that when that, where that person come from, uh, there, there's a type of music that they're used to, they're listening to. And I, and I need to understand that. I need to comprehend where they come from. It, that's part of a culture. Um, mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. important to respect that and understand it. Uh, we cannot ask somebody to come to our church and have them uh, uh, be part of our culture right away because they come from different cultures, different area, different ethnic group. So it's very important to respect that, understand that. Uh, we are in America, which is in a melting is a melting pot where everybody comes here. Uh, my parents came here in the fifties. Um, was born, raised in the United States, and you know. Uh, we just need to understand at least their culture, where they come from. Yeah. Music seem, does seem to be that thing that comes up often because even when I've had conversations with people uh, and I try to get them, you know, to understand or, or, or say we, we, we go along this line, right? Well, well, what separates a black church, say, from a, uh, a predominantly black church from a predominantly white church? And the first thing that comes to mind, to my mind, is the music music and you alluded to this music is such a big part of it's not the only part but it's such a big part of uh of human culture in general and everybody's tastes are different everybody's flavor is a little bit different um and and just to be clear right we're talking about worship music yeah but that seems to be the thing that um that comes up often and so when I have these conversations though with people and, and, and music, music is the one thing or the first thing that people go to. One of the things I, I, I ask within myself um, or maybe try to get the other person to, to ask themselves is was what, what does that look like in your church? Again, what would that look like in a, a, a church who's predominantly white and that's trying to reach a black community or a church that's predominantly black trying to reach a white community or a, you know, or a Hispanic church, predominantly Hispanic church, trying to reach some of those other ethnic groups. Um, what what are some intentional things that you've done or you've uh, you would suggest that could be done in order for a pastor, a minister, a music pa- uh, a coordinator, music pastor to um, to consider when they're trying to diversify their music portfolio for the cultures coming in their church? <clears throat> Well, you know, I think we, if we can, uh, music is so, it's just so big topic and it's so beautiful. Music is just, uh, it speaks every language. Um, you know, you may not understand my language, but we understand music. 
So I, I think intentionally you should, in my opinion, it's it's only opinion. I think it's it should be intentional to kind of mix in a little bit of 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 every type of music, especially depending on the culture that you're in. And um, it's, it, I think it goes a long way if we could understand a little bit how uh, how certain, certain ethnic group worship. They worship very differently. Even in the Spanish culture, um, if you go to a Caribbean church, uh, a Caribbean church is, uh, depending which Caribbean church it is, uh, you know, you probably go to a Puerto Rican church. You're going to have a mixture maybe of a little bit of salsa, merengue, you know, but if you go if you go to a predominantly Salvadorian or 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 Mexican church, uh, you're not gonna have that type of rhythm. You're gonna have another like a pop or a little bit of a a marachi and mixed in there with with their cumbia. Uh, so it, it's you just gotta kind of be a little bit, you know, understand your population and and you don't have to fully change everything. But I think just give them a little bit of of that um of that music like for example we um in the spanish conference that we're about to have uh we're being a little bit intentional with with the music we're trying we're not i'm not saying we're professionals but we're trying to be as intentional with the music a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of everything a little bit of you know pop a little bit of merengue a li- just a tight a mixture of uh, some mar- marachi, some norteño um, music that I never grew up with, but the community that's coming mm-hmm. are listening to that type of music. Uh, the kids that are in my church, they're like, you know, you gotta listen to this, you know, this beat or whatever. This this type of music, like uh, in Mexico, there's a type of music that uh, that's called norteño, which is with a accordion, mm-hmm. and it's very different. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of the kids in my church is like, oh, you got to listen to this, Pastor. This is the new, you know, whatever that's coming up now. And I'm like, okay, let's hear it. And and I understand it and I get it. And I try to be as intentional as I can bringing that in. And it's amazing when you do that, you see the reactions in the faces of mm-hmm. different churches. You see how they're, they light up, you know. Uh, the mother who was used to singing the old hymns, you play that whole hymns with the, mixture of that beat of the time or whatever it is their light their eyes light up you know they they raise up their hands they start worshiping um it it, it just it's just amazing how if you can just mix in a little bit i know we just had we just had the conference uh, the district conference and Mm. it's powerful i mean Mm. worship was powerful Uh, the music was amazing it was just anointed so um those type of things uh Making it intentional, I think, is it goes a long, a long way. Yeah, and I like how you use you keep using the word intentional, being intentional but not forced, right? Exactly. <laughs> there's a there's a difference between being intentional about diversifying your your uh, your church's culture uh, compared to say forcing because you feel like you have to meet some kind of quota, right? And so oh. and, and you have to you have to strike that strike that balance, and and people can tell people can tell. Right. I, I believe, you know, people can tell if, if you're a church that's being intentional 
or if you're a church, a church that's forcing it, you know, because you have one or two, say, Hispanic people in your church um, and, you know, you decide on their Sunday that they're singing, that that's the day you're going to do a Spanish song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being I'm just keeping it real. Right. And, and again, we 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 um, I, I, a lot can be said. I respect, again, what people are doing, but I want to I want to be real here and just. Uh, lay it out and say, hey, if, if 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 there's a space for you and an opportunity for you to be intentional, go that route rather than being rather than being forced. And so so culture culture is one thing. What are some other things that you've noticed um, or maybe could uh, point out here? Just maybe one or two things that you could point out here uh, for us to think about when we're considering reaching out to um, to the Hispanic Hispanic community. Well. You know, the Hispanic community, especially those that are that are arriving to this country now and, and that have been arriving, there's one thing that they have in mind and is that they want to come and work and send money back home to, you know, they left their home, they left everything that they knew to work here and to send their money home so that those that they left behind um, to have a better life. So we need to understand that, um, or we need to at least understand that their hours of working sometimes vary from those that are probably legal here in the country. They'll work 12-hour days, 13-hour days. And then on top of that, you're asking them to come to service on a Tuesday night, on a Wednesday night, and have them there for three hours. Um, you know, I'm not saying that everybody's doing that, but what I'm trying to say is that understand your community, the people that are there, that if they decided after 12-hour shift, they decided to go home, take a shower, run to church, understand where they come from yeah. and be conscious about that, conscious about their time, conscious that the kids wake up at six in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, they got to take them to a babysitter. They're going to work. They pick up those kids again at six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night to come to church and do it all over again the next day. So, if we can understand that, um, we will be able to pastor, I think, a little bit better. Mm. Understanding those things, understanding that we need to reach them where they're at. Yeah. Uh, perfect example. I uh, I always wanted to build a nice, beautiful baptism. And we will have baptism in our church, but I was always thinking, oh, we need to build something nice with lights and led and you know all this beautiful stuff that we see now and i love it but during the pandemic we started having service outside of the church Mm. and we started getting people asking us they wanted to get baptized and i just did not know how to do it because we didn't we don't have a baptism where we're at but we do have a big tin can huge so we decided that we were going to put it out there in the street and in, in the grass in front of the church. 
And brother, I tell, I kid you not, every Sunday, we were baptizing three to four people every wow. Sunday. Wow, during the it, pandemic. It wasn't pretty. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the most beautiful tank. It was a big tank. We put yeah. it right outside, right on the dirt. We had some robes that we would give out. And right as soon that I was preaching, people understood the message, understood the name, got baptized right there, three to four people. And we just, I just said, Lord, the Lord just taught me something there. We need to reach the people where they're at. And I started talking, you know, what made you change? I, and some of them would say, I just felt like I was back in my country. I just felt that I was in that, in that countryside where I came from, where the baptism was done in a river or the baptism was done in a tin can or it was <laughs> there, right? I, it just, for some reason, it made me feel like I was back and, and I understood the message and I, and I was like, you know, you know, Lord, if this is what's going to make people baptized, we're going to have that baptism out there every Sunday if I have to. And we still do the baptism. And believe it or not, we're inside the church. But every time we do baptism, I take out a big, not the nicest tank. We put it outside. We warm up the water. We put it on the grass. And we baptize people right there. And, and it's just an amazing experience. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. I, I know our time is uh, coming to a, a close yeah. here in a minute. I just got a, um, one more question for you, and then I want you to talk about the uh, 2023 Spanish Ministry Conference is coming up. Are there any in that same vein of the of what you just mentioned um, about the culture, about you know understanding where people are and working with them if they're working th you know 13 plus hours? I mean, that, I've never heard anybody say that before, and that is that is such an important um, consideration and. Uh, by way of a last question, I guess, are there any, from your experience, your involvement with community, are there any, and pastoring that community, are there any social issues that um, that are sensitive for Hispanic people, the Hispanic population, that maybe we as ministers and pastors should consider when we're, say, teaching a Bible study, or if we're preaching across the pulpit, that might be a... Um, you know, hot button ticket or a sensitive subject specifically for the uh, the Hispanic community. Something that we'll, where we can, you know, we should operate through, a, 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 we should always operate through a lens of wisdom, but wow. something that we can intentionally put on the forefront of our minds and say, I, I should be, I should be uh, aware here at least, right, uh, of what I'm getting ready to say. Well, um, I can probably go through a whole list of things, but what I have learned from experience, and I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that I'm. I know it all. You know, I, I'm still learning because we still make mistakes. Yeah. But what I've noticed is, if you preach the word, I mean, stay with the word, and you preach it with love. And people can tell when you're preaching it with love and anointing. If you stay with the word and you preach it with love, I think they will, I, I know they will receive it. Mm. I think sometimes uh, the, the problem becomes is when we kind of gear off by personal opinions and, and personal ideology and, and personal stuff. But if we just stick to the word, I mean, the word is so powerful. 
Yes, it is. We can stick with that. Speak the word of God. Speak exactly what's there and speak it with love. You'll go a long way. So, and I think it's, it's true with every community mm -hmm. to speak the word. Absolutely. The word is wonderful, wonderful things. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Soto, let's talk about the uh, 2023 South Carolina District Spanish Ministry Conference. When it's happening, where it's happening, who's preaching. Let's talk about it. What's going on with that? Hey, I'm excited. <laughs> well, it's a Spanish conference. We're call we are calling it in Spanish, Conexiones de Poder, which is a rough translation is Powerful Connections. Um, the name came about because we thought that uh, we needed to have connections with different kind of people, connected with connection with the with an amazing preacher, connect with the community leaders, connect with the past neighboring pastors, and we call it powerful connections. This year, we're calling it powerful connections without limits. Mm. We don't need to have any limit. We're gonna connect with as many people in the city as we can. And this year we're having uh, amazing preachers. We're having Brother Hopkins, who was a missionary for many years, John Hopkins in, in Panama. He's going to be preaching. We're going to have the bishop over Mexico, Brother uh, Stephen Draws, who's going to be preaching. And I'm so thankful for the youth department of our, of our state. I'm so thankful that this year they're uniting with us and they're having a powerful bilingual service Friday morning. So let me give you the dates. It's going to be July 6, 7, and 8, which is going to be July 6 on a Thursday night. It's going to be Brother uh, Steve Dross opening up the service. Uh, Friday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning is going to be the bilingual service with Reverend Sambrano and the youth department. They are they're going to do an amazing job. So if you are in the area, please, you need to come down. Then Friday night, Brother uh brother john hopkins is going to be preaching that night and then saturday morning we're closing it with brother john hopkins i mean with brother jo Steve. Uh, joseph zambrano joseph zambrano is going to be friday morning uh, okay, okay. with the youth on the night friday night at 7 30 sharp uh brother hopkins is going to be preaching he's going to be closing the night friday night and then saturday morning which is july the 8th uh, brother Steve draws at 10 o'clock in the morning. It'll be from 10 to 12. Um, he's going to be closing out the event. And this year, um, one of the things that we, we, and this is here we go again, powerful connection. I started, the Lord put us, put in our hearts um, to incorporate as many young people that are talented in our, in our churches that have not been used in the past. Um, so I started asking around if there was anybody who's, who, who played violin, if there was anybody that played trumpet or saxophone. And little by little, uh, kids started uh, contacting us with their parents. The parents were contacting us and saying, my son plays this. And, and, you know, we went through the whole protocol. We talked to their pastors and we went through the whole thing. And by the grace of God, uh, we're going to have a, a, including singers and everybody else, we're going to have a 30 piece orchestra and wow. we're also going to have um, a band director, an orchestra director. His name is Brother Dan Little. Brother Dan Little is uh, the academic dean for Urshan Bible College. 
and he's also an orchestra director. Um, so he's going to be joining us. He is a brother who does not speak Spanish, but he's going to be directing this, uh, the, the orchestra. And, um, and, uh, and, that, and most of the kids that are going to, most of the people that are going to be playing, most of them are students. They are students who have been practicing for the last six months, every week, about twice a week. And I am so excited. And a lot of them are pastor's kids. So we have a lot of pastors, kids who are playing and, and here we go. All the mixtures we have, we got to have a, a, a pastor's daughter who does not speak Spanish, but they wanted to be part of this. And she's going to be, she's going to be playing violin and that whole family is coming. Uh, we have a, a guitar player who does not speak Spanish and he loved the Spanish conference so much that he said, I need to be there. I want to, uh, give my talent and his whole family is coming. Uh, we're going to have an organ player, which I believe is from your church. Um, uh, oh my God, brother, brother, Gabriel, Con Con Gabriel Conyer. Oh no. Conyers, Conyers is in the upstate. I'm in Columbia. Oh. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I know brother Conyers. I, I've met him before though. So it's, it's look, a look, you were prophesying. I was like, wait, we got an organ player. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are excited. It's it's gonna, it's gonna bring all type of community together. I think by bringing these kids to the stage, it's also gonna bring all families that are gonna come to watch their kid be part of this amazing thing. So, and we have, if everything goes well in Jesus' name, <clears throat> next year we're gonna have another surprise, uh, which we're already talking about it. But I'm gonna say this. Uh, the church, our local church and the ministers, our local church, we started a whole month of praying campaign. We're going to church at five in the morning from Monday through Friday from five to seven. And we have a group of about 10 men who are coming almost every day. And we're praying and fasting for this. We Tonight, there is a ladies meeting at the church and all the ladies are praying and fasting for this event. So we having every department in our church praying and fasting for this event awesome. Awesome. because we want the anointing of God, yes. we want God to move in every way. And if you can see the group chat that we have with all the musicians, they all keep saying, we want God to move. We want Amen. them to move. Amen. So I am honored. Um, we, we're working really hard. We are. Uh, if anybody wants to support this ministry, what we're doing financially, you can go to South Carolina District and support there and give your love offering. Um, these kids are doing this voluntarily, um, but we are we want to bless them when they get here to Charleston, and we're gonna have food and we're gonna make it make them make a, a good time for them too, and they are all excited. So. We are we are happy this conference last year by the grace. Oh, and it's going to be at World Harvest. Let me give the address. Yes, uh, thirty four forty one West Montehue in North Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, it's only five minutes away from Charleston Airport. We have about there's about ten hotels in the area. Uh, so you're you know you're two minutes away from every hotel in the area. There's about ten of them, and there's like five minutes away from Charleston Airport and we're right next to I-26. So very easy to get there. And last year, by the grace and mercy of God, uh, all three nights uh, and all three services, we had 
500 plus in attendance wow. in every service by the grace of God. And this year we are praying that place that we have, if it's about a thousand and we're praying and declaring that uh, we got to pack the house out. And, uh, and so I'm asking everyone that's listening to this podcast, you need to come down to Charleston. Yes. Experience this amazing move of God that God is just doing something powerful in the Hispanic community. Last year we had uh, Spanish people travel from uh, North Carolina, Virginia, Washington, Florida, uh, Georgia. Uh, they just they were just driving from everywhere because they were hungry yeah. for a Spanish conference. They'll say, you know, we we cannot travel to California or we cannot travel but we really want to be there. And so a lot of these people, they just became hungry. So I'm expecting a great move of God. We're also going to have in-ear translation. Um, if you go to, to our Facebook page, uh, Spanish ministry, or if you go to the South Carolina district page, you're going to see there's going to be a code there for in-ear translation. So uh, even if you don't speak the language, we're going to have amazing translators. We're going to have ministers translating these are ministers that have been doing this for a very long time so they're going to be translating so uh it's going to be a great amazing event the venue the church is so accommodating it's relaxing it's uh it, you're going to feel like home uh so I, i'm sure that when you arrive to charleston you're definitely going to want to come back for the next conference <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And um, you mentioned where everybody can go to give. Um, uh, if you want to send those links to me, I will also put them in the show notes yeah. um, so that everybody can have access to it there. And again, everybody, that's the 2023 South Carolina Spanish District Conference, uh, July 6th, 7th and 8th, hosted by World Harvest Community Church, 3441 West Montague Avenue, North Charleston. Um, as Brother uh, Soto said, there's going to be John Hopkins speaking, Steve Droz, Joseph Zambrano. Um, and so really get really, really plan to attend, really plan to support. Um, and if you can't be there, consider being uh, consider a love offering, uh, like Brother Soto said, and we'll put those uh, those giving links in the uh, in the show notes. Um, Brother Zambrano, Brother Zambrano, Brother Soto. <laughs> See, I'm already thinking about the the, uh, the conference. Conference, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brother Soto, um, what's your uh, Instagram handle if people want to connect with with your message there? Well, they can. Uh, I, I'm gonna give the this. Uh, I'll give it's it's gonna be at Luciano Soto uh, Junior, or they can connect to the Spanish one and uh, give me 30 seconds here because I'm. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> yep. While while you take yeah take your time do that and what you, while you do that I just want to thank everybody um, you know for tuning in and if you'd like to connect with what uh, the South Carolina District is doing you can always visit SC District www.scdistrict.org um, and if you'd like to engage with me regarding South Carolina Building the Bridge Ministries you can email me at scbtbministries at gmail dot com um, remember to share this podcast I recently had the opportunity to attend. Uh, last week, the uh, 2023 uh, Building the Bridge Conference in Houston, Texas, Amazing. and man, made some made some phenomenal connections with folks. I had the opportunity to sit on a on a panel. Wow. Um, on uh, on the last night or the last day, uh, Friday morning, and just talk about some issues. And so it was very well received. 
all of that stuff is is on is online. Um, if you YouTube or Google Royal Wood Church, um, their YouTube page will have all of the services for the 2023 Building the Bridge Conference. And it was just a fantastic time. I was honored to be on that uh, on that panel. But that being said, I, like I said, I, I shared this this podcast. I shared what everybody's doing. Um, I shared what South Carolina is doing with Building the Bridge Ministries. And so those people are going to be listening to this episode. Um, and so, uh, uh, Brother Soto, your message is going to be getting out there. People are going to be listening in. Um, and I'm hoping that this is helpful um, to continue in the support of what you're doing with the Spanish ministry. Did you get that handle? Yes, sir. So it's going to be uh, Ministerio Hispano, S-C-U-P-C-I, Ministerios Hispanos, Ministerio Hispano, S-C-U-P-C-I. And I will send you the link. Um, yeah. That is the Spanish ministry Instagram. You may want to follow that. Um, give it a like. Um, I, we also have the same name for Facebook. So you can look it up and we'll, we'll have the link here. And, and, and consider uh, sponsoring this event or giving an offering. We'll have to send the links. Uh, we're trying to do something. And the Lord, I know the Lord will bless you for that. So thank you once again, brother. I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for this amazing opportunity. Um, I, I consider this an honor. I was mentioning to my 13-year-old daughter, I said, I'm going to be on my first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that means you're famous? I was like, yeah. uh, I don't know if I am, but uh, <laughs> this is amazing. And it's an honor. Thank you for yeah. allowing me to be part of this, uh, part of this podcast. And I pray that the Lord will bless you. And I pray that you get millions and millions of followers in your page. Amen. And, and you know what? And, I, and with that, Brother Soto, if you don't mind, um, just closing us out in prayer and um, and then we'll wrap this up. Thanks, everybody, again for tuning in. But if you wouldn't mind clo closing us out in prayer. Thank you, sir. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great opportunity that you're giving us to come together. We ask for your blessing for those that are listening right now. We ask for your blessing be upon them, your peace be upon them. We ask you, Lord, that you can give us wisdom every single day. I ask you, Lord, for wisdom for every minister, every pastor that's out there ministering, doing the work. Sometimes they probably don't feel that they're being recognized, but we know, but I know, Lord Jesus, that you're the watching over them. You're blessing over them. I, I pray a blessing over their families. I pray a blessing for those that are struggling right now that you, Lord, may give them peace and bring blessing over their house. I pray a blessing over this amazing podcast. Bless my brother. In your